With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you ready to get encouraged for God's purposes? I'm Ann Dunnigan, and welcome to Mission Minded Families, where we're going to get into God's Word so you can get going on your day. Most of us are busy at home moms, and in this podcast, we focus on seven keys for life prayer, passion, parenting, perspective priorities, progress, and purpose. Today we're starting a new series on Proverbs 31 from a mission-minded perspective. Today we're in verses 1 through 5, and because of these particular verses, I'm going to share something from my personal point of view about parenting and about perspective, and specifically it is a few reasons why our family has chosen not to drink alcohol. So if you want to hear a little bit about that, stay tuned for Mission Minded Families. As I was looking at Proverbs 31 and looking at how we could study this chapter as mothers and as mission-minded families, I was thinking, you know, where should we start? And where should we start with the Bible memory cards on teaching these verses to our children? Most of the times when people study Proverbs 31, they begin with verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman? But that's not where the chapter actually starts. And some of my favorite verses in Proverbs 31 are actually right before that. Uh, verses 8 and 9 have to do with opening your mouth for the speechless and, you know, for the cause of all who are appointed to die. Just fabulous verses about missions and having a heart for the poor and the afflicted. And as I looked at this, I thought, you know, I want to start at the very beginning of this chapter. Let's learn all of Proverbs 31 in order from verse 1. And I want to share with you a few keys of how I have taught this chapter to our children. So we're going to start today in verses 1 through 5. I'm going to begin by just reading through this and then opening up with a word of prayer. Verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son, and what, son of my womb, and what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for you, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. That's Proverbs 31 verses 1 through 5. Let's just open up with a word of prayer. 
Oh, Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your word can give life. We thank you that you are a God of mercy and you are a God of truth. Lord, we ask you to help us to learn from these verses and that we would walk in freedom and joy and peace and not in bondage or in legalism. Oh, but Father, we just, we want to be your virtuous women and we want to raise our children with a passion for you and for them to just love you and serve you. Lord, we just give you this time. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. May you be welcome during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, when I begin by looking at these verses, this first verse, the words of King Lemuel, okay, this was a king. It says, the utterance which his mother taught him. So something interesting is that Proverbs 31 is godly wisdom from a mom to her son. And it was a son who didn't just grow up to be an ordinary guy, but it was a mother who had trained her son to become a king. And she saw him as a king. And as as a key verse for this is this is written for boys. Proverbs 31 was advice for boys to follow the example and the wisdom of their mother. It's also for a boy to recognize godly characteristics in a virtuous woman or a godly future wife. This is a chapter for girls to become the virtuous woman that a godly guy would want to marry. So it's advice for a virtuous girl. And this is also wonderful advice for mothers or even for dads too about an example of a parenting, a a great example of a mother as a parenting example who taught her son in the ways of the Lord. Now, if you look at verse two, what my son, okay, you just see this mother's passion for her son. You know, she has cared for him since he was a baby in her womb. That little part, what son of my vows, maybe that refers to her son as God's blessing on her marriage covenant. Covenant. Uh, maybe it refers to how the mother has deeply loved and prayed for this child, maybe like dedicating this child to the Lord, vowing him to the Lord like Hannah did about uh, Samuel. So it's like, you are, you are a son of my womb. You are a son of my vows. It's like saying, okay, son. Okay, kiddo. I love you. I love you more than anyone. I love you. I care for you. I'm passionate about you. I carried you in my womb. You just see this passion of a mother and even just this passion that is giving the mother a place to be able to speak into her son's life. Verse three uh, is do not give your strength to women nor your ways to that which destroys kings. Okay, in this verse, the mom is giving her son warning. And it's kind of interesting how she begins by encouraging her son, uh, noting that he has strength. You know, you are a, you're a strong guy. You're a man of purpose. You're a man of honor. You know, may you use your strength for God's purposes. And you got to watch out for girls. You got to watch out for worldly women that are going to come and try to trip you up from God's call and plan on your on your life. And so this this mother is warning him to watch out for women who could destroy him. She wants to challenge him to avoid actions or temptations that are going to keep him from being the king that he is called to become. This mother sees her son 
as a king to be. He is a prince and she wants to raise him to fulfill the call of God on his life. Now in verse four, it's a really key verse. It says, it is not for you, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. I think this is just a powerful verse about godly leadership. It also has some dangers about alcohol. It says, it's not for you, O Lemuel. Okay, it's true that in the, in, around the world today, there's a lot of people who drink alcohol. Even among Christians, there's a lot of Christians who drink alcohol. You know, there's people who we know. We even know people in leadership. There's even people I love and respect, great friends of mine, who drink alcohol. But what we have told our kids is, it's not for you. It's not for you. It's not for us. And, you know, this mother was saying to her son, Lemuel, she was saying, Lemuel, you know, there might be a lot of things in your life that other people are going to do. You're not going to be like everyone else. You know, not everyone else is going to rise up to become a king, but that is your call. And so she was just telling him, her son, it is not for you. And she was also telling him about the dangers of drinking, you know, even just to uh, take part in a, in an activity that could be compromising or that could be dangerous, uh, that just because an action is legal, uh, doesn't mean that it's best or that it's right in our state of Oregon, marijuana is legal. Okay, if, if something that we've told our kids is that if you drink alcohol, what, and because it's legal once you hit 21, well, what's going to be the difference of, you know, smoking marijuana? What, just because something is legal doesn't mean it's best. Just because something is okay or permissible doesn't mean that it's the right thing for us to do. God has called us to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that. Uh, it says, as God is pleading through us, be reconciled to Christ. You know, we there's just this passion uh, that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about being an ambassador for Jesus Christ and to live with a higher standard. Now, verse five says, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Okay. In this verse, the mother is just giving her son this warning about the dangers of drinking or following the ways of the world. She's calling her son to rise up to God's higher standard of leadership and become a man who will remember the law and who will establish justice for people in need. She doesn't want her son to allow anything alcohol or women or anything to keep him from God's purpose for his life. Now, when I look at these verses, I I can't get through these verses without just sharing a little bit from just from my perspective about just something that has been a, a key. This particular decision about just our family saying, you know what, regarding alcohol, it's not for us. Okay, so let me give you five quick reasons, and then I want to go and talk about each one of these. Five reasons why our family has chosen to just stay away from alcohol. Number one, we don't need it. Number two, we want to be an example to the next generation. 
Number three, we want to live soberly and we don't want to give the enemy any foothold or advantage. Uh, number four, we don't want to be a stumbling block for the weak, um, especially for those who have had problems with alcohol. And then five, our question is not, is it okay or is it permissible or is it legal? But instead, is it best? All right, let's look at these one by one. Okay, number one, we don't need it. There are so many awesome things to drink. You know, it's like with the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. You know, there was a whole wide garden filled with wonderful things to eat. And the enemy came and said, you know, has God really said that you're not to eat of every tree in the garden? You know, kind of questioning the goodness of God. And, uh, you know, questioning God's love and trust and everything. That's how the enemy came to deceive Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh, When we realize, you know, has God really said you're not to touch alcohol at all? Has he really said that? Uh, Come on, just, just a little. We have just chosen, you know what? There are so many good things to drink. There are, there's, we enjoy coffee. We enjoy kombucha. We enjoy sparkling cider. We enjoy orange juice and cranberry juice and wonderful one milkshakes, you know, wonderful things. We don't need it. Many people will uh, drink alcohol maybe to provide a feeling of peace or joy or celebration and you know maybe just to add to an atmosphere of fun and joy and and we've just found you know we are some of the happiest people that we know I mean we we love to have a good time we love to have celebrations we love to you know eat good food we we enjoy all those things we don't need alcohol to do that. Um, we have at our house every uh, New Year's Eve, we've been having a, uh, for a lot of years, maybe about 15 years, we've had a a yearly uh, New Year's Eve party and we call it a family-friendly New Year's Eve party and we serve sparkling cider and people know that our house is a safe place to come. So we don't need it. Uh, another thing is that we want to be an example to the next generation. First Corinthians 11, one says, follow me as I follow Christ. And we want for our kids and for other families and, you know, new believers coming into the body of Christ. We want for them to be able to see how we do life and for them for, you know, to even say, Hey, you know, come on over to our house and see how we celebrate New Year's Eve. It's a lot of fun. Come on over and see how we live life. Uh, We want to live in a way that doesn't cause anyone else to stumble. Uh, We want to be an example to the next generation. Sometimes things that one generation will allow in moderation will then be taken to excess in the next generation. Okay, for us, we are called to leadership. And we are called to love. We are called to be an example. And we just realize it's not for us. Okay, and we don't need it. 
Uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, this, the Holy Spirit, He is the one that can give us peace and joy. And, okay, you know, even in the day of Pentecost, you know, when people got filled with the Holy Spirit, people thought that they were drunk with wine. There was just this joy and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, that is what we want. We want that kind of joy and presence of the Lord. Okay, we want to live sober-minded. Now, we all agree that we are not to be drunk with wine. Um, all Christians agree with that. It's very, very clear in the scripture that we are not to be drunk with wine. We are not to drink to excess. Um, but something just that we have found is that when people begin to drink, sometimes judgment becomes obscured. And one of the easiest temptations that the enemy can do is just to get people to drink just a little bit, to skew their judgment a little bit so that he can come in and then bring a bigger temptation. And we just don't want to give the enemy a foothold like that. We we realize that we are not above temptation and we don't want... I, oh, and just to realize that we need all the brain power we can get. We we need to be able to think clearly, and so we want to keep our mind clear. Okay, we don't want to be a stumbling block for the weak, uh, whether that's for children or for teenagers looking up to us or for maybe people who have had alcoholic addictions. Um, Just even this last week, we were hearing about a young woman who has had problems with alcohol and have had, you know, several uh, binge problems over this last year where the enemy uses alcohol to, you know, trip this woman up. Uh, there's other people. We had a precious sister-in-law who was found on Christmas Eve where she had, she had had a very severe alcohol problem and she uh, had too much of hard liquor and she, she was she killed herself from alcohol. And her son found her on Christmas Eve dead on the floor. Okay, there are people out there who have problems with alcohol and they need to stay away from it all together. That even just a little bit that somebody who drinks um, around them could give them an excuse. Oh, well, the Dunnigans drink, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'll, I'll do it in moderation. But they have a problem. And if they even start, they might just get tripped up for life. And so we do not want to do anything that will cause uh, somebody who is weak to stumble. Luke 17, 2, uh, Jesus said, It's better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and cast into the sea than to cause a little one to stumble. And something I sometimes like to think about is uh, sometimes some of the, the warning signs on alcoholic beverages will have a picture of a pregnant woman and they have like a big X through it saying, you know, warning those who are pregnant, don't drink when you're pregnant because of alcohol. Uh, alcohol syndrome, you know, that a a pregnant woman needs to be on guard because of the child in her womb. It could damage that baby. Well, in the same way, we want to uh, not damage the weak. We don't want to cause a stumbling block, whether for children or for teenagers or for those who have had alcoholic problems in the past. Okay. Another, another, um, thing is that we don't, um, 
We don't want to just ask in any area of our life, you know, is it permissible? Uh, is it legal? Uh, or, you know, would it be okay? But for our family, the question is, is it best? Or would it be a better example to just avoid it altogether? Now, there's a, a example in the Bible in Timothy Uh, Timothy was one who he was very concerned about the example that he was setting for others. And so he didn't want to take alcohol at all. And he was not even when his stomach was hurting. And Paul actually admonished him in 1 Timothy 5, 23, uh, take wine. Don't, Don't drink just water. But take wine for your stomach's sake. And some people think, well, there is an example of why we should allow drinking. Or, uh, But in this particular example, uh, we can just realize that he took it with water and it was for medicine purposes. You know, it was for his stomach. So this has nothing to do with just, uh, you know, drinking for social purposes. Okay, the biggest question of all, people say, well, Jesus drank wine. Jesus turned the water into wine. You know, what about that? I want to just share a couple things from my perspective about that. And I've heard that over and over again, that this is, you know, I, I don't think when Jesus was turning the water into wine that he was saying, okay, this is the reason why you can go get a whole big keg of beer and you can, you know, all just drink it up and party all you want. Okay, the people at that wedding, they had actually already drunk quite a bit. And the amount of wine, it was like over 120 gallons, like would fit in the back of a pickup truck. Uh, I don't think Jesus would want to cause all these people to stumble. God God never tempts people to sin. Now, whether it was alcoholic or not, you know, whether it is fermented or not, it was different. And it was made in a moment of time. And I tell you, if ever God supernaturally turns the water into wine, help yourself. Someday when we get to heaven, whatever is set before me, I will drink and thoroughly enjoy. But this, uh, the, the wine that Jesus made when he turned the water into wine, it was different than anything else that had ever, they had ever tasted. It was better and it was wonderful. Something else is that the water that was used, all the, the water that, that the um, servants, you know, Jesus uh, turned that particular water into wine. It was wine that was set apart for the purification rites of the Jews. It was like a holy water. And I, I think when Jesus was looking at this whole example and when G- people partook of it, Jesus was thinking, of the marriage supper of the lamb up in heaven. Jesus was thinking about not just the current wedding. He was thinking about people coming into that relationship with God almighty that was going to happen through the cross. And like an analogy of like the, the communion elements of the, the bread and the juice or the wine that it represented the blood that Jesus was going to have to shed for our sins. And just as we partake of communion and remember that sacrifice, that I believe as people were enjoying that very different drink that they had never drunk before, Jesus was thinking about partaking of that cup, that cup of the sacrifice of the cross. And I I just, for me... I, I take that story to say, okay, Jesus, I want to do whatever you would have us to do. And the question is not, is is it legal? Okay, here in Oregon, uh, it, it's legal to smoke marijuana, even for recreation purposes. Does that mean it's right? 
Well, as Christians, what's what's the difference between one with another? Actually, alcohol is far more damaging than marijuana. So for me, for our house, it's just not for us. We want to remember the cross. We want to remember the sacrifice. We want to lead. We want to love. We want to be an example. And we want to just ask what is best. I, I want people to look at our kids and our family and for us to be able to say, hey, follow me as we follow the Lord. James 1.27 tells us pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. When we hear statistics like 143 million orphan children in the world, it can feel overwhelming. Like what could we possibly do to help? But all of us can do something. We can pray. We can even give a little. At Harvest Ministry, we are caring for over 1,000 orphan children in Africa and in Asia. In Uganda, East Africa, we have a children's home called Gumaniesu Children's Center. And exciting news is launching a brand new girls' dorm to keep 150 teenage girls safe. Also, we're helping with Gospel Projects International and Asha Hope Children's Home in Southeast India. And together with Gospel Projects, Harvest Ministry is launching a new children's home in Nepal for boys and girls who were orphaned from the recent earthquake. Come online to harvestministry.org to learn more how you can love orphans. I want to end today's time by answering a couple questions that sometimes our family gets about this particular issue. Sometimes people say, well, if you have this standard for your family, aren't you being legalistic? Or if you come across, um, won't you come across legalistic to others? And I'll just say, you know what? I can't, I can't help how other people think about us. If if people want to think we're being legalistic, the, the people are welcome to whatever they want to think. Legalism is when you are practicing certain rituals or certain um, legalistic requirements in order to earn your salvation. We cannot earn our salvation. Um, Legalism can also be by saying this particular uh, personal conviction we have. um, It could even be like how many children you have or different things like that and say that everybody has to do it the way that we do it. And if you don't do that, you're not saved. Okay, then that's a legalistic standard. And, you know, we can't help what other people are going to say, but at the same time, we want to live a sanctified life. We want to live in a way that can be an example for other people to follow. And, you know, you may ask, well, are, are you saying that, you know, if you drink alcohol, you're not a Christian? And, and I'm saying, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I know many wonderful Christians who do drink alcohol. But for our family, we love this verse from Proverbs 31 that just says, uh, as for us, you know, for you, Lemuel, this is not for you. And we've told this to our children and, and we have things for our family that we have said it's not for us. But let's live our lives for the glory of God. It's like, how can we live our lives to shine and just to be an example for Jesus Christ in this world? 
So let's just close in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you can help us to live and to follow you, that you will give us the strength to do what you ask us to do. And Lord, help us to live with a higher law of love. And I just pray your blessing over each person listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, in our next session, we're going to be continuing Proverbs 31. God bless. Thanks for joining Mission-Minded Families. I'm Ann Dunnigan with Harvest Ministry and Daring Daughters. You can find us online at daringdaughters.org and on iTunes, where you can subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with others. And remember, God's mission is for your family to expand His family. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.